0: This is the Strength Anchor Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, Mr. Bain, here we are, episode 65.
1: Oh, this one's going to be a good one.
0: Uh, I, I did some good research on this one. This is a really interesting topic.
1: Um, seven pages of notes or some shit here. One that I have been kind of
0: wanting to look at for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing the rumors about this, going back to when I trained Franz Jim. <laughs> um, but let's tie up some loose ends. Uh, maybe you could start with the Grace
1: one. Uh, so I cannot officially confirm or deny. Uh, there's a reason for that. But does Grace know Harambe? Uh There's the the timelines overlap. We'll put it that way. Yeah, uh, of her working with the primates at the Cincinnati Zoo.
0: Well, when we we posted Grace being from the Cincinnati Zoo, Mm -hmm. I I guess I'm not necessarily. I'm not not saying I'm not a Harambe fan, but it's not something that just immediately comes to mind. Mm -hmm. But it did for others, and uh, the question was, does
1: Grace? Did Grace? No Harambe. So cannot officially confirm more than I. uh, But uh, like I said, the timelines definitely overlap, and she does work with the primates at the Cincinnati Zoo. So uh, does great work over there. uh, Does grace. And, yeah, so we'll just leave it at that. Okay, very good. Uh, You you did, however, forget, and I'm glad that this is either brought up or you remembered it afterwards, one of the best lines from the saga that was huge package.
0: I I did forget about this. Um, It was – he was sending, I think, DMs with our, our teammate Jan, Jennifer Gimmel, and when she was asking him, kind of poking and prodding him about getting on a training cycle, not, not the other kind of cycle that yeah, he yeah, wanted yeah. to get on, but like just act, to, actual training. Like, yeah, training, he said, Well, you know, I don't know if I have time to train right now. You know, I'm, I'm really focusing on building my empire. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeez it's like building your empire. Like, like, dude, you drive. And I'm, I'm, I don't denigrate anybody's job. Every job has value. And if you work and make money, great. But I'm not sure that driving a delivery truck
1: constitutes building an empire. Uh, correct. If that is your primary source of income and there is nothing else, and based on a lot of the other things he said, I don't know if he had necessarily had the uh, level of intelligence and wherewithal to build said empire.
0: Yeah, so I didn't quite get that, but that was that, that was a quote oh, that we that forgot great. about that yes. was very good. And then I was trying to get at last week, uh, it's a Pulp Fiction quote, the Royale with cheese oh, okay, yeah, from Samuel L. Jackson, because I think it's the Quarter Pounder with cheese mm-hmm. in England is a Royale with cheese, or somewhere other than the U.S. Oh, oh gotcha,
1: gotcha. You know, we should ask Mn and Kelly. We should have asked them.
0: They, they might know that, because, yeah. yeah, I think it was Samuel L. Jackson was talking about, you know, in so-and-so, I think it's in, in you know, Britain or England, mm-hmm. it's called the Royale with cheese, versus here it's called the Double Quarter Pounder with cheese, which I actually like
1: Royale with cheese better. I think we're going to call uh, Pete, when he's uh, had a couple drinks, the uh, Petey Royale with cheese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No <laughs> doubt. Other than that, Mr. Bain, what is going on? Uh, well, as of this recording, uh, we're here on Tuesday night. Uh, Nick and I head to Vegas the day after tomorrow. Uh, her birthday is going to be Saturday. Very excited for that. Uh, so we're going to be spending a few days in Vegas. We actually have uh, actually a lot of things planned. We're going to the Grand Canyon while we're out there. Uh, and then we're wow. Doing, yeah, really excited for that. Uh, so I'll actually spend my wife's birthday at the Grand Canyon. And then we're doing uh, the Avengers Experience, the... Uh, Hunger Games Experience was a new one out there in Vegas that just opened this year. Based on the book and movies? Yes, yes. Oh, cool. And then we're doing the Mob Museum because I'm a huge, like, I love, like, gangsters and the Italian Mob and whatnot. So I'm uh, going to be doing that as well. And uh, Squats went okay on Sunday.
0: Yeah, you can check the instas if you'd really like to know, I yeah, suppose,
1: yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I. I, uh, I Got into, uh, you know, f- folks have been asking how the gear has been coming along. I did get into a LUP for the first time on Sunday, uh, along with my uh, overkill briefs and some uh, Inzer Atomic reps. And I took uh, 1,009 pounds for, for a ride and uh, still some things to, to work on and clean up, but, you know, it, uh, it felt okay. And I'm not sore today, so I know you talked about the 48-hour rule, and uh, I am not sore, so I'm, I'm okay. feeling, feeling pretty excited about that. My eyes were uh, definitely telling a different story, I'll tell you that much. A sure, lot of, sure. Uh, A lot of red on the, on the whites there, but uh, Stone, don't you?
0: Uh, we, again, as of the recording, this past weekend, we had our women's empowerment meet, our mm-hmm. all-women run and uh, lifted and meet, run Look, by my wife, Jackie. Looked awesome. Which ran really well. Um, I did a kind of a, a beta test, alpha test. Thank you. On a uh, live stream, and it did not totally work, but it didn't fail either. Mm-hmm. So there was two problems. A was my computer is not fast enough to process everything I wanted it to do. Uh. And number two, I really need – we really need a hard line to the Internet because I tried to hotspot off my phone. That was an epic failure. Yeah. And then uh, I ran it off the Wi-Fi, which was okay. Like, it was Was, fine. Was that
1: school across the street still taking all the bandwidth? Well,
0: I don't think so because uh, it was a Saturday. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But the Wi-Fi, not (laughs) ideal. If we could just do a hard line and then, you know, probably get me just a little bit more powerful computer. This is an old, like a four-year-old MacBook Air that I typically use, which works fine. It's basically a dinosaur at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it works fine for most of what I do as far as just, you know... Going on the internet, word processing, Excel, basic stuff. But you know, I was trying to get basically D- doing f- Google searches and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Googling the internet, mm, um, Makes sense. Ha- type into the Google machine. Um, <laughs> you know, I had I was trying to put together on the live stream the video, the audio. So and it was, it sounded kind of odd because you were o- you literally only heard the announcer. That was the only audio. Yeah,
1: we were talking about that because the ambient audio has the music and right. that typically gets the, the Facebook people uh, upset, and so they take yes. it down. So that part
0: worked and didn't get taken down. And then I was also trying to put in the computer scoreboard, which I kept, and also the lights, and that part I had to eventually take out because that was just one too many inputs. When I had three, it was fine. When it went to four, too much for my old computer. So That's,
1: That seems to be a lot. Anyways, Mr. Bain, what is... You are fake news. Haha, <laughs> I got an upgrade there. Uh, social media community standards are fake news. Wrong. Uh, No, they are definitely, definitely wrong. Uh, So I had a friend who posted something about uh, really just, like, terrible people who happen to be male. And jokingly, I put in the comment, well, men are trash, so, you know, there's that. Wrong. Facebook deleted the comment. Wow. And then put me on Facebook probation. I had the little orange sticker on my Facebook profile that only I can see. That says, you know, basically, if you if you mess up again, then you're going to the Facebook jail. Quiet, quiet. <laughs> I think I was. They they thought I was being rude. Is what was going on. Oh,
0: I don't know if I can find that one right away.
1: <laughs> yeah, we got to do the new soundboard. Uh, keep going. Yeah, so uh, don't it, be rude. There we go. <laughs> complete bullshit. Like I'm, and I understand when you're typing something out, you're you're making a joke, but. Is the, satire gone, like on a, Facebook? A, apparently, or as long as it is satire that... Now, here's the thing. If I just put white men are trash, it would have been fine. Hmm. You should try that. I, I may try that or put, like, COVID is trash and see what happens. Oh, that'll get taken out of the So, Stone, what is... I'll do it for you. Oh, this is much better. Hold on. You are fake news. There we go. What is fake news? Sir? Uh,
0: it's. I guess we're both in the same topic this week as fact checkers on social media. What are, the fuck? Like, you know, f- fuck checkers? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like, if, if I click on your link and it's a fact check and all it says is, well, it doesn't have the complete context. And, well, that's not 100% true. It's like, uh, you know, if if you want to actually know what went on with, mm-hmm. say, a situation with a the highest paid public official in the United States whose emails were, I guess, not quote leaked, but were forcefully released to the public via a Freedom of Information Act request. Right. If you want to know what was actually in there, just go ahead and check it out. Um, it's not that difficult. You could read what he actually says. I didn't post anything because I don't post anything like that. Nope. But uh, don't tell me that when someone posts something about that, that, you know, it's not exactly right because that is it's
1: all fake news. It is it's phony news. stuff. It didn't happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, enough, enough said on that. If you want to know what actually happened with any situation related to whatever, go to the primary source, which is what we pretty much
1: did uh, today. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And you'll, you'll hear that here shortly. But let's uh, take it back to not, not too long ago with a, uh, a stone story.
0: Yeah, you know, this is a recent one. And, Very uh, recent. So
1: let's rewind.
0: Last week on, I, gosh, I think it was... Thursday? No, it was Saturday. I think okay. it was literally like the day before we decided to do it. And on Saturday, somebody posted on Facebook Marketplace, one of the powerlifting, you know... Powerlifting buy-sell trade Yeah, one of those that yep. they had a monolith for sale for 2000 And whenever there's a monolith for sale, I mean, we could... we At the time, we, we didn't need another monolith. We have three in the facility. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's always, if you can find one for a good price... Um, actually, there was one for sale from your guy Sean Copeland that I was very close to buying yeah. during the shutdown. But at the time, oh
1: yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the
0: time, the gym was producing no revenue, so it was really hard to justify yeah. spending. It was like fifteen hundred, wasn't it? Or yeah, yeah. He was he was going to sell for fifteen hundred, and he actually offered it to us. I, I don't know if he wanted me to say this, but he said if we wanted it, we could have had it. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of the day, I just couldn't justify it. I, I couldn't justify it at the time, considering we were literally shut down. Yeah. Um. But this one happened to be an elite FTS monolith from all appearances, and it was not super close, but within a, a, a sorta of reasonable driving distance. Mm-hmm. And it being further than we thought. Um it was outside of Columbus. We thought it was gonna be about five and a half, six hours, and it'd be more like six, seven hours. Yikes. We were driving a trailer, uh, myself and Georgie, not on the ground. Mm-hmm. But it was a great deal, two thousand dollars for a used monolith. I mean, New monoliths from Elite right now go for four thousand plus shipping because yep. the so price of steel has gone up forty five hundred dollars at least. Yeah, and if you want a nicer one, more like five thousand. Yep. Um, so we get there and the monolith is on its side. It is not as we as the pictures appeared in a garage upright. We thought we were just going to take it apart like a standard monolith, right. and put it in the trailer. Yikes! It was on its side in one piece in this guy's storage pod in front of his house, and apparently he was paying like two or three hundred dollars a month for this storage pod to sit there with this and like two other pieces of equipment that are not worth yeah. hardly anything. And it' been sitting there for a year. Jesus. And so us paying him probably saved him money in oh, the end yeah, for sure. Um, so the guy's very nice. It was his wife that I'd contacted. He said his wife's the power lifter mm-hmm. um, and he just, you know, he does not a power lifter. He just trains with them. And so, you know, he was there being very helpful um, and George, myself, and him, we flip the monolith from its side to its back, mm-hmm. and then we try the three of us to pick the mono. Now, monoliths are heavy. Let, let's be clear here: if you're trying to pick a monolith up from a dead position without any carts, because we didn't bring, we have carts. Yeah, we didn't bring any because we thought it was going to be just upright, right. and we were going to take, take it apart. apart. Right. And so we're like, well, it's it's on flat. So let's see if we can get it onto the trailer, because that would make it easier. when We move it in. Sure. But no. Uh, yeah. I thought that the guy was going to have a heart attack as we were trying to <laughs> move it. it. It took everything for the three of us to move it about five feet, and that's when I said, "All right, George, get the let's, tools. Let's start taking it apart." Um, as we were taking it apart, and there was one bolt. As George said, "There's always one. There's always one bolt that just doesn't want to, you know, Does get undone." Yep. Yeah, and so George was kind of working on it, um, sprayed from WD-40. We had to. We eventually got it off, fine. But as we're, yes. we're, as we're sitting there talking. The husband says to me, Oh, we're just talking about lifting. He said his wife's got an injury. He said his daughter had qualified for the Arnold a couple years ago. Oh nice. And said, you know, she's taken some time off because she's had uh, had a kid, and mm-hmm. that was three years ago. So sure. his you know, granddaughter, grandson can't remember is three. And I said, Oh yeah, I understand that my wife and I have two kids, and it's really now that our youngest is five that she's really kind of got back into more serious lifting. She's done some meets, but, like, you know, really serious training. Yeah, yeah. And he said, oh, is your wife geared? Mm No. My assumption is that means, like, wearing squat suits, knee wraps, bench shirts. Equipped. Equipped, right. And I, of course, say yes. Mm -hmm. His reply is both. (laughs) Uh, And then I assumed that he meant both the internal and external gear. To which I said no, and that was the end of that conversation. That's hilarious. So the whole way back, George and I kept saying to each other, "Both, your <laughs> wife Both." So that was the that was the stone story. So we now have four monoliths at awesome. uh, at two XL, which is still, uh, still
1: need two more. So I have four up here to train with, and then two back there for the uh, for the for the platforms. I, so. I think
0: we could probably get away with one more, uh, two on each platform. I said what I said. Yeah. Uh, l- let's move on, though, Mr. Bain. You've got a hot topic for the day. No, not the store. No, 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 no. no. Not the store and the mall, but uh, the actual hot topic.
1: So the co- hot topic that seems to be sweeping the powerlifting world is our compression shorts supportive gear. Because
0: you'd be in jail.
1: Yikes. Uh, this specifically stems from uh, USPA Nationals, where a lifter got DQ'd during deads. Uh, if Just you want Just define DQ'd, like kicked out of the meat DQ'd? Yeah, you You go.
0: Like, they're disqualified they're li- from the meat. Their lifts
1: meet. do not count. They're wow. disqualified from the meat. So, for me, I I, guess I was, I was wonder about this, because I see in the rule book for at least the APF, I did not read the USPA rulebook, because I just don't care, that compression don't shorts... Don't be rude. I will be rude if I want to, sir. The compression shorts are seen as something that is quote-unquote supportive. I disagree, because they provide zero support when it comes to the lift.
0: Well... Yes, and the question is, so the lifters were in compression shorts that were visible under or under the singlet legs, I correct, assume. Correct, correct. How I, did get through all the equipment checks? Right, and the other question would be, sure, it is illegal. No mm-hmm. doubt it's illegal in the APF yep. for raw. It's illegal in the USPA, definitely right. raw. But is that a purposeful intent to cheat? That At least how does this read in the APF rule book? Like, if you accidentally have a knee wrap that's like, you know, 3.1 meters because it's been stretched out. Is that right. a purposeful intent to cheat? No. If you're wearing two pairs of knee wraps or, I don't know, two pairs of briefs, I would say that's a purposeful intent to or, cheat. Or wearing your knee wraps under your knee sleeves. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I would say that's a, that's a purposeful intent to cheat, and yes. that would be cause for disqualification.
1: Yeah, so, so my, my first thought is how does this get all the way through? How does no one see this? How is this uh, allowed? Now, there is... Rumor and conspiracy. So, everybody put on your tinfoil hats. Moment there. All right. Now that you have your tinfoil hats on, let's think rumor and conspiracy. I don't know the names of everybody who was involved in this. This is, again, what I'm hearing through the powerlifting grapevine. One of the favorites was in a position to possibly lose or get second. Wrong. And this was seen as a way to fix that with Oh, oh, boy. We have a way that we could EQ this person who is going to give this individual a run and may have a big deadlift in them, so we're just going to make this happen now. Yeah. That is that is the rumoring and conjecture that, that I have heard. I'm putting it out there in the ether because I just find it interesting. And this, that this while sounds like it was a mistake by the referees, potentially a... Uh, we can't tell if it was intent or not by the athlete. Well, but let's be honest here. We're talking about,
0: like, basically Under Armour shorts. Correct. All right, that's... They're made of the same material that singlets are, correct? Uh, he did, most he, of them, yeah. At, he, at least at are He yes. wasn't. He wasn't accused of
1: wearing briefs, correct? Like powerlifting briefs. I heard that on another podcast that yes, he was accused of wearing briefs by them, but th- but not by the USPA. Is that they were deemed as supportive equipment against the rules, not an actual brief? Yeah, if like, that makes sense. Yeah, not polyester like insur power right, pants. Right. They so were. They I,
0: were actually like. Under Armour, Nike compression yeah. shorts. They have to
1: be legless undergarment, I believe, is what the USPA. Yeah, that
0: rates. is. Yeah, that is the rule, and I get that. But again, I don't think that's a purposeful intent to cheat. I would see that as an oversight, and mm-hmm. maybe you disqualify that particular lift, and say you got to you got to come up to the. Now, what we would do in the APF, we would just say you got to go take those off. Mm-hmm. The next time you come on the platform, I don't want to see those. Right. And that would be it.
1: And if they didn't, then we'd red
0: light that lift. I don't know if we'd dis- disqualify them from the meet. Yeah.
1: But seems, that, that's why that, the, that's the only reason that has a holds a little bit of water for me. It's like, wow, why would you just take this completely out of the meat? That just seems aggressive.
0: The only thing I could see was that maybe he had the compression shorts pulled up on yeah. the squat and the bench. Possibly. And then maybe he pulled them down on the deadlift to order to get a little bit more you know, sliding on his legs.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe. Who knows? Because that's
0: one of the reasons why they're illegal. Although, again, if it goes to mid-thigh, you could just have your sink let that low. Right. Now, if it's below the mid thigh, now you're you know, you're trying to have a really smooth surface in which to deadlift off of. I, I guess I get uh, that is illegal. It's against the rules. There's no doubt. But,
1: Big T, I mean, Very wrong. Very terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's move on, sir.
0: Yeah, let's go to our Palooza throwback. 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 Uh, you know, we're gonna do something we don't normally do. Is we're gonna we're gonna hit the next month's powerlifting state. Typically, we really like to bounce around. And hit different eras, mm-hmm. um, but because the content of the episode really like leans heavily on an article in this Powerlifting USA, I thought we'd go ahead and look so, at so convenient what was Speaking going of conspiracies.
1: on conspiracies.
0: Yeah, last month we went over <laughs> January '99, so I don't think there's too much different in what Bane were doing and I were doing in January versus February '99. Nope. So let's let's see what was going on in the world in 1999. Um, the top movies were Star Wars One, The Phantom Menace which I think is an underrated, not bad movie. Uh, The Sixth Sense, which is a movie that I think is really the best seen the first time. It's not bad after that, but pretty much
1: all of M. Night Shyamalan's early movies seem to be good the first time.
0: Yeah, I I just think the surprise of that movie, I guess I won't spoil it in case you haven't seen a 22-year-old movie. um, Toy Story 2, excellent movie. Austin Powers, the first one. Yeah, baby. A very good movie. And Fantastic The Matrix. Film. Man, those are some really good movies. Those are really good fucking movies. Those are all, like, I would watch any of those. The Sixth Sense is probably my least favorite to rewatch, just because, again, once you know the premise, it's just not as good. But any of the rest of those, I mean, I love, the, I love the first Matrix movie. Yeah. I think the first Star Wars, or whatever, the fourth Star Wars, the first episode of Star Wars, I think is a good movie. Better than some some of the haters,
1: yeah. Would have you believe some of the super fans? I, uh, I am a massive Austin Powers fan. Yeah, I, I mean, I that, love those movies. I think that's those that's, and
0: I think that's probably the best one. Um, yeah, great movies in '99. Yeah, um, sure. Top TV shows: ER,
1: Friends, Terrible, Frasier, Equally Terrible,
0: Monday Night Football, Huzzah. and Veronica's Closet, which yeah. I think we've talked about before. I'm shocked that that's multiple times has been on our top list. A, a TV show that. I don't think either of us have seen a one-second no. of. could not tell you. Uh, yeah, could not identify any. I've seen at least some of all the rest of those. Um, I don't know that I like or dislike ER. I'm ambivalent on Friends. Frasier. eh. I've watched some of it when it was on reruns. Mm-hmm. Monday Night Football, I mean, I don't know. Oh, I like football. Yeah. I like foosball. Um, and Playing fe- the
1: foosball behind my back, by And February 19th,
0: 1999, President Bill Clinton was acquitted by the Senate. In his impeachment hearings.
1: I had sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. But it does depend on what your definition of the word is. I think he said, he I is. did not have sexual he, he, relations correct, with that Correct, but woman. he got acquitted and he definitely had sexual
0: He said, I did there. not have sexual relations with her, but I did have an inappropriate relationship. So, gotcha. anyways, let's move on to this Palooza. Um, on the cover is our guide, Doug Heath. From West Sad, <laughs> um, Doug Heath, man. And there's a guy we've talked about having on the podcast. We we really need to connect with him. He'd be a great one to talk because he, he was at this meet we're talking about and, and won. Um, he won the 132 class at the 1998 WPC Worlds. At that meet, he did a 507 squat, 358 bench, and 474 deadlift. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug first competed in 1979. Wow, and he last competed in two thousand and nine, so he had a career that lasted thirty years That's i mean incredible so many competitions i couldn't even have counted them. Uh, best lifts are five fifty five squat, and these are all pounds or american four hundred five pound bench and a five forty five pound deadlift single ply one thirty two um, when he moved to multi in one forty eight he did a seven twenty five squat, a four sixty five bench and a five eighteen deadlift. Um, that's good for a 16.05 total was his best total. Um, I'm not sure if all those are in the same meet. Mm-hmm. That's still number 18 all time at 148 multiply. Wow. So still a still a great lifter to this day. Um, we also had the WPC World Results Part 2 from Herb Glossbrenner. Uh, this went over the open lifters. Um, also talked about some of the other things that went on in the meet, one of which was there was apparently two horses in the literal venue for what? the opening ceremonies. the fuck? And apparently, like, they had to have it really quiet, and, like, there was handlers, and the horses were getting kind of agitated. Oh, my God. Sounds just absurd. And horses poop, right? Yep. Like, horses always poop. They be so. pooping. Um, there was apparently a, supposed to be a Night of Legends, um, and Lee Moran was supposed to be there. And uh, the meat director, who we will talk a lot about today, Carl Smith... Mm-hmm told Herb Glossbrenner, who wrote this article, hey, reach out to Lee Moran and ask him if he wants to come to the Night of Legends. And he said, sure, send me the plane ticket. And Carl Smith said, well, I didn't say anything about paying for his way. Yikes. And so I don't know if there actually was a Night of Legend because, like, Lee Moran didn't come. There's supposed to be a couple other people that didn't come. WPC President Ernie Franz was supposed to be honored. (laughs) But he wasn't allowed in the meet. Was on the list. Uh, We'll get back to that. Okay, okay. Herb talked a lot about like the food and other things like accommodations mm-hmm. there in Austria. And this meet WPC Worlds was in Austria um, as a reminder from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, during one of the intermissions, I can hardly believe this was in there. <laughs> during one of the intermissions of the lifting, there was a male and female stripper that danced on stage. Dude, Austria fucking lit.
1: <laughs> what the fuck was going on there? More importantly, what are we doing wrong with our WPC and AWPC Worlds? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: and for being in Europe, there was a lot of U.S. lifters there. Yeah. Um, there was a big U.S. lifter Anything about the contention over there? Oh, uh, yeah. I missed that. Um, according to Herb Glassmaner, the pizza in Austria was the, quote, absolute worst in the world.
1: Have you been to Cincinnati, Ohio? Uh, have you been to Iowa? How about that? Yes. Yeah, Cedar Rapids, to- Iowa, or fucking Dubuque, Iowa, <laughs> right, or fucking that- Davenport. Have you been to
0: Dubuque, Iowa? Whoa. Like, <laughs> Uh, so Awful. yeah, that Herb Glossbender. I, I mean, you know what? Th- these reports from Herb Glossbender are just. This is gold. This th- is amazing. It's so great. Herb is just such a. I, I wish Herb was still around when we'd started this podcast because he would have been a great guy. Oh, to have it's on. such a good interview. Uh, and he was around not that long. I don't know how long ago he died, but it wasn't like he was around when I was a- around in the sport. Cause right. The Glossbender formula, which he created, um, was not the formula of the APFWPC when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a uh, results from the USPF, quote, Worlds. Didn't appear there were any non-US lifters there. Gotcha. The article was written by so- one... Sounds like IPA Worlds. <laughs> yeah. The article was written by one Robert Keller. Oh, yeah. Um, at this particular meet, Ed Cohen went 1,003, mm-hmm. 551, and 887 at 242. Crazy. And the next closest competitor was like 300 kilos away what? from that. What? Yes, 300 kilos Jeepers. away from that. And Robert Keller talked very glowingly about the USPF in this article. And Robert Keller is now the general secretary for the IPF. Yeah, no problem. Sure. So, sure, sure, sure. Interesting. Um, Doug Daniels, in his starting out section, mm-hmm. um, he has an article uh, titled The Dress Rehearsal. Basically a mock meet. He yeah, should um, do that about seven days out. Um, you know, Doug Daniels does <laughs> recommend for new lifters. I don't think this is bad advice. Um, I don't always do this, but it's not bad advice. He does recommend about t- 10 to 14 days out from your first meet, do a mock meet. So kind of like doing a front style squat bench deadlift workout. Yeah. Um, he recommends having a judge or experienced lifter watch all your lifts. Mm-hmm. And he recommends, you know, kind of replicating the timing of a meet because he says you might have up to 20 minutes, you know, between your attempts, which is true, uh, a little probably less now, but at that day, time. In the '90s, it was more likely, you know, 20, 30 minutes between attempts. Right. He recommends warming up and resting, and then taking attempts and resting, doing everything all in one day. Um, you know, taking short breaks between lifts. I think this is pretty good advice for a new lifter. Not a bad idea to, to do. You know, kind of a mock meet. Right. Um, there was an article by Louis Simmons. Quote the reg- by, by Louis Simmons <laughs> the regulation of training. Okay. Um, it basically goes over the basics of conjugate. We, we don't do deregulation. We only do regulation. Uh, what I thought was interesting <laughs> was that at this time in 99, he did recommend changing the max effort exercises every two weeks, not mm-hmm. every week as he recommends now. Um, and it's very, uh, very big on 60% for speed work. Okay. 60%. And I think and now it's sometimes even lighter. Um, yeah, see,
1: forty percent. I mean, yeah,
0: he said to stick around the fifty to sixty percent for the most part. Uh,
1: but it was on like
0: he would talk so, about like so, a,
1: so be doing seventy percent on Wednesday and then maxing out on Sunday, probably a bad idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did say that like you know you should be using sixty percent of your your raw bench when doing raw speed bench, for instance. So that's no. that's not going to be sixty percent of your shirted bench. Um, can how, how do you think you say that name? Lestiner? Lessner. Lessner. He basically has an article in every, or a column, whatever, mm-hmm. in every Powerlifting USA. Um, it's always some kind of rambling, and I try to read it and see if there's anything interesting, but it's just he just goes so all over the place. It's, it's hard to understand what the hell he's talking about most mm-hmm. of the time. I'm guessing that this particular article was satirical, was tongue-in-cheek, but his recommendations for supplements are as follows. Oh, my God. Number one, eat ice cream.
1: Which, I like
0: ice cream. It's delicious. Number two, eat raw meat. Wrong. He said he does eat raw meat. Dumb. Uh, there's, there's like a thing where people from certain <coughs> parts of the country eat like like raw ground beef. I don't remember what it's called. My parents have even talked about it. It's called it. stupid. Well, my parents have talked about even eating it. <coughs> um, then he says, get a tattoo of your projected goals In an inconspicuous spot on your body. What the fuck? So that's Ken Lester's article from tattoo with your (laughs) goal. Yeah, in an inconspicuous place. Oh my word. Um, there was a letter from Steve Dennison, then USPF meet director, uh, current USPA president, and currently dodging Chris Delafave for any answers on this uh, compression shorts thing. Ah, interesting. Um, He basically made the case against a raw division. Um in his in his letter
1: to the editor, well stop Steve Dennison, yes, makes a case against raw, correct and he says
0: <laughs> he says that uh, he makes the point that you know technology in sports always progresses, mm-hmm. and that lift people want to see big lifts from big lifters and they want to see big numbers and says that sponsorships and money typically are going to come from gear manufacturers, and we shouldn't bite the hand that feeds us. these are all very common arguments back in the early 2000s about mm-hmm. against a raw division and, I, I just find this really funny like and i'd say
1: the it's, irony is legit
0: it's at least ironic that the uspa is now majority raw like in oh this, yeah like in this area in chicago that's all they have is they don't even have an equipped single-ply division which is the uspa yes, i
1: see it out west which is weird
0: yeah the uspa um they came from steve dennison was a the, the most prolific USPF meat director. Basically, he was the only one left other than a few people in West Virginia, who mm-hmm. I think still kind of run the USPI,
1: They don't earn the USPF.
0: <mumbles> um, but he left the USPF, formed the USPA, and it started this single-ply mm-hmm. organization and now is majority raw. I think they still have a single-ply division. They even technically have a multi-ply division. They do, I'm, but it's... But I, don't, like, I, don't, I don't see it at any... I don't see it at their
1: nationals. No, I don't see it they their nationals, but uh, they had one... Out in Vegas, they had multiply guys for USPA. Uh, yeah, it's it's very very tiny uh, as far as that part of their uh, their organization. So, yeah, they're so all they, ply curious though.
0: Yeah, they're ply curious. Um, in the USAPL corner at this time in February 1999, mm-hmm. the USAPL Executive Committee approved a new Raw division for meets. Oh, look at that. So this is right around the time when Raw started to really kind of become a thing. The rise of Raw. Um, Let's go then to our top 20, our top 100, Mm -hmm. 220s, excuse me, um, from December 97 through November 98. Mm -hmm. So your number one squat is Paul Urchek with a 903 squat. Your number number one bench press is George Halbert (laughs) with a 657-pound bench. Um, Your number one deadlift is... H. Dungan, who I'm not a guy I'm familiar with, a okay. 771 deadlift. Pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. And then your number one total is 2127, Paul Urchuk. Um, that was set in Febu- or in May of 1998. Uh, I don't know if I know any of the other lifters right mm. off the top of my head. Paul Urchek is well, it really
1: is before the dawn of time in powerlifting.
0: Yeah, it's before powerlifting. Before, before history started, really even started. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> somehow there was quite a story to come out of this 1998-1999 uh, time frame.
1: Oh yeah, this is, this is going to be legit. so.
0: We kind of alluded to this last week um, in our Plusa Throwback, throwback. Um, because we had the part one of the WPC World Results. Mm-hmm. And this is a topic I've kind of wanted to look into for a long time, because I've heard... There's a lot of legend around this. There is, and I don't know that we're going to get to the bottom of that, but Mm -hmm. we have a first-person account from Herb Glossbrenner, who was there Mm -hmm. at this particular WPC Worlds in Austria in November of 1998. Mm -hmm. So just to give some background, um, and and some of this we covered in previous episodes, but in case you haven't listened. Yeah. Ernie Franz and Larry Pacifico and others started the American Masters Powerlifting Federation in 1982. You can hear more about that in
1: our Alpha Super Powerlifting episode.
0: And I would say even more in our Franz versus IPF episode. Correct. Um, the major point of contention, at least purportedly, was the IPF not allowing five-year increments for masters. I believe in 81 or 82, can't remember off the top of my head, Ernie Franz ran the IPF Masters Worlds. Mm-hmm. and had five-year increments for his divisions, and the IPF said that he couldn't do that, and they disallowed a bunch of the records. Um, major blow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, drug testing was also a major issue. Um, the IPF was starting to purportedly implement it, as with the USPF. Ernie just didn't believe in that. He didn't. He I mean he knew he shouldn't probably pass a drug test, right? And so he started the APF as a non-tested federation. Mm-hmm. Um, the APF itself, the American Powerlifting Federation, when it when it went from the Ampf to the Apf. Um, it was formed as a nonprofit sports organization, which it still is to this day. So, it's not like a five hundred one three. What is it? Five hundred one five hundred three c. Yeah. It's not a charitable organization that you could donate to and write off on your taxes. So it's not right. a charity sports organization. Uh, Though, if you
1: want to throw money, then they're gonna accept it.
0: Sure, but it's not a, a charity <laughs> it's not nonprofit. A um, but it's basically organizes a nonprofit sports organization mm-hmm. with with a board of directors that elects officials and controls the organization right but ernie's at that at that time in the 80s and even at this time of uh, what we're talking about in the late 90s, Ernie basically had control over the APF right um, in I thought it was the World Powerlifting Congress started in 1986, and that's what at least we list on our website, the APF wPC mm-hmm. um, that's when the first worlds was held. Um, and this, you know, it kind of started basically as a cooperative of other people that probably didn't want to be part of the IPF and form their own, you know, country organizations with similar rules and wanted to associate with the APF and Ernie. Mm-hmm. However, Ernie st- organized the the World Powerlifting Congress as a for-profit corporation, mm-hmm. um, which it still is. I was told,
1: and obviously because it's a corporation, very evil.
0: Yeah. I was told that Ernie offered stock to some of the member countries in the 90s. <laughs> Yikes. But, but nobody took him up on that. Um, so basically, Ernie at this time, and from the start, owned the APF. Mm-hmm. So lock, stock, and barrel. Ernie Franz owned the WPC. He did not technically own the APF, but he had ostensibly had control of it because everyone followed Ernie, which, right. as we'll find, was going to be very similar with the WPC. Yep. Um, this uh, The article in this Powerlifting USA is called The WPC Controversy by Herb Glossbrenner. Mm-hmm. He lays out much of the same background that I did above, but this article claims the WPC as a corporation was formed July 1st, 1984, which hmm. I guess I have no reason not to believe Herb because he's he was a historian of the sport. and Well, if it was formed, I mean it's not even active. Yeah, fair. He might have around that time had the idea of the WPC, but Mm -hmm. hadn't been able to implement it. Right. Um, And Herb claims that Ernie, at this time in 99, held 99% of the shares, Mm -hmm. and his wife Diane owned 1% of the share. I'm not exactly sure exactly what type of organization the WPC was formed as. Mm -hmm. It was formed in Illinois, which it still remains to be. Um, But again, Herb and I are in agreement. At the end of the day, Ernie owned the... WPC and right. owned it in 1998,
1: 1999.
0: Right. Despite Ernie's ownership, Herb laid out that Ernie he always left the the administration of the organization to the World Powerlifting Congress itself, to the what we at least now call the annual general meeting, which is now online, but right. the AGM, um, which is very common, and that things were decided on democratically, and that each member of the country got a vote. And that Ernie, you know, was always receptive to Lifter's ideas and ideas from others in the organization. And that, you know, Herb, he talks about some kind of judging controversy from two years prior. I didn't look into that. But Mm -hmm. in that instance, he said, you know, there were some things that Ernie disagreed with, but he abided by what the Congress voted on. Again, according to Herb. And I would agree with that uh, based on my experience. Um, he says the international affiliation began with the South Africans um, September 16th, 1984. Yikes. Um, that was the day when he brought over the South Africans. You can hear all about this in our Franz versus uh, IPF lawsuit episode. Mm-hmm. We, we go through this in depth. I mean, Mary Sternberg and Felicia Johnson, two of his lifters, lifted in that. Uh, they were then banned from going to the IPF Worlds. It led to a lawsuit. The first WPC Worlds was held November 15th and 16th. 1986 in Hawaii by uh, our guy, the now Wobble President Gus Rethowich. Ah. who also ran the Hawaii Record Breakers back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, this article gives a little bit of background on Ernie. At the time, he's 64 years old. I thought one interesting note is that he said that him and he and Diane, his wife, um, did an 1,100-pound two-person deadlift. Wow! So pretty that impressive. That is very impressive. Yeah. Uh, our second, our our antagonist mm-hmm. is. One Carl Smith, uh, who was the meet director of the 1998 WPC Worlds and the uh, president and founder of the Austrian Powerlifting Congress APC. Okay. Ironically, Carl Smith was born in the New born in New York in the USA, and emigrated to Graz, Austria at age 21. Mm-hmm. In 1978, he became an Austrian citizen. And it sounds like he began became in, uh, involved in powerlifting in 1987. I could not find any results of his, but I'm not sure that, like, Austrian IPF, you know, meet results would have made their way into a magazine that open powerlifting could list. Right, right. I'm just going to go off the account of Herb and assume that he did indeed at least compete some. Um, and after some conflicts with the IPF affiliate... Uh, Carl Smith formed the Austrian that with the IPL. Yeah, exactly. He formed the Australian or Austrian Powerlifting Congress in 1993 mm-hmm. and became a member of the World Powerlifting Congress.
1: Are they still uh, members or no?
0: They are Austria- not. Yeah. Well, there might be an Austrian affiliate, but the Austrian Powerlifting Congress is not. Got it. Uh, I haven't seen any Austrian lifters in a while though. Um, but there could be. I'm not I'm not sure on that. Reportedly, Carl Smith's best lifts were 837 squat, Mm a 485 bench, and a 749 deadlift at 275. Solid. Um, I would say pretty good numbers. In 1997, Carl Smith, uh, I'm not sure if he formed it or was part of the forming, but they formed the European Powerlifting Congress, Mm -hmm. um, and he ran the European Powerlifting Congress European Championships in 1997. And I think maybe based on his experience there, he was awarded the 1998 WPC World Championships. And this is where it all goes downhill. So uh, there was, quote, during the APF judging controversy two years ago. And the, her, this is a quote from Herb mm-hmm. Um I'm not sure what that judging controversy was. We could maybe try to find that and do it in a police throwback in a future episode. Sure. Do I'm little, assuming it was loose ends just, on that one. I'm assuming it was just high squats being passed. Because yeah. that's, you know. Common with Multiply. Um, High high, high benches. Yeah. Carl Smith expressed, quote, concern about bogus lifts and bad reffing in the APF. And Mm -hmm. Herb Glossbrenner basically traces the uh, tension between Ernie Franz and Carl Smith to Mm -hmm. this incident. Um, But the first warning sign that there was any issues between the two went back to a meet in Las Vegas. And it doesn't, like... uh, I'm, I, I, again, I didn't do research on like the last time there was a, like a worlds in Las Vegas. I know there's worlds in Las Vegas in 2000, but this was after this time period. Sure. So purportedly, Carl Smith, uh, after this meet in Las Vegas, Carl Smith wanted to immediately have a meeting with Ernie after the meet. Ernie had apparently promised his crew a meal, probably his spotters, loaders, helpers. Usually a good idea. Yeah, and, and Carl Smith insisted on an immediate meeting. Mm-hmm. Ernie said it would have to wait until after dinner, and Smith, quote, went ballistic. Classy. And, and it turned into a shouting match between him and Ernie. Wow. So, uh, in 1998, about six months out from the WPC Worlds, mm-hmm. uh, the assigned Worlds technical director, Edith Pungrass sent a letter to all WPC member countries. And this would be very, like, in general, I would say this would be out of sorts. Like, the technical director of Worlds, I don't know why they would have authority to send out a letter to the member countries. Like, that should go through the WPC office, right? which I'm sure was at Franz gym at the time. Um, But it basically said that suit and shirt patches were had to be something that were repairing a tear, but it could not be, quote, for an enhanced supportiveness. So you couldn't okay. just add a patch to a suit or a shirt just because you wanted it there. Like, okay. it had to be something that was repairing a tear. A- and as a reminder, even at this time, the APFWPC was multiply. Like, Ernie mm-hmm. Franz had multiply squat suits, multiply bench shirts. Right. Denim bench shirts were definitely a thing. Canvas squat suits were a thing. And many patches on those from Franz Jim were very, very common. Right. And it seems like Ernie kind of just let that lay there, um, but then decided as his lifters were heading to the world, some of them were kind of worried, thinking, like, hey, is our gear that we bought from you, by the way, Mm -hmm. um, going to be legal? And so he sent a fax, Ernie Franz sent a fax to Carl Smith. It's just ironic the time with faxing. Right. And this was sent on October 27th, 1998. And I believe the Worlds were to take place that first full week in November 1998. Right. WPC so fair, fairly close. Yeah, about a week or two out. Um, and the facts said the following. Number one, all patches were legal, whether they were to repair tears or not. Number two, no head referee shall call depth on squat if the side referees give a white. Should shall call red. Right. They, they, you shouldn't give a red light on depth Got in the squat. Got um, any protests of calls must be made immediately by the lifter. And number four, the AWPC was voted on as a, and approved, the Amateur World Powerlifting Congress, mm-hmm. the drug-tested wing of the WPC, and it was going to have its first run in 1999. Fantastic. So those were the four points. Um, but included in this letter included a paragraph which stated that all four items must be adhered to by all member countries or and officials or said officials could be expelled from the WPC with no vote. Wow, fool, go fuck yourself. so I think it was very strongly saying these are the rules, these are what's going should be followed at the worlds, and if they're not, we have the right to basically boot you out right, right. and this apparently enraged. Carl
1: Smith. Well, if a meeting's going to make him go ballistic, I'm sure this just made him, like, punch yeah. a wall like a Kyle.
0: Uh, so, Smith, Carl Smith sent a fax back to Ernie Franz. <laughs> oh, my God. October 30th, 1998. This is literally three days later. Yep. Number one, non-recognition of Ernie Franz as WPC president. Okay. Number two, declaration banishing Ernie Franz from the WPC worlds. Banishment. And said he would be subject to arrest... If he showed up at the meet. Wow. Said, three, the situation will be discussed at the Congress meeting on Wednesday, November 4th. Number four, termination of Ernie Franz as WPC president. I don't know why you need to terminate him if he's already non recognized. Right. Whatever. Um, Asked for proof of Ernie Franz's quote, ownership of the WPC by December 15th, 1998. Number five, Brian Smith of the UK, I don't know if there's any relation between he and Carl Smith, but mm-hmm. they were buddies. Brian Smith of the UK had been appointed interim WPC president. My
1: question, appointed by whom? I'm more thinking of if Ernie's the WPC president and the APC is choosing not to recognize him, then you're fucking out of the WPC. Well, he... I, I, like, I, I, just, I don't understand where Carl Smith's well, authority is coming from. Well,
0: because he had the world's. Uh, Basically, he he was the meat director of the world, so he felt he had control. And it said, number six, until election, all communications must go through Carl Smith or Brian Smith. Wow. And number seven, going back to the original issue, which kind of started all this, was all patches on shirts and suits must be for a tear. And if they are not, they will be ruled illegal. Wow. So again, on whose authority does Carl Smith non-recognize Ernie Franz? Yeah, was this like... (gasps) You know what this was? He said, not my president before it was cool. Right. It was hashtag not his president (laughs) before there was hashtags, and it was just a pound sign. So Pound pound sand, Carl. uh, Just to give some background, and I I, I chatted with uh, Ricky Del Crane, who was at this particular event. Um, His son did, like, an exhibition with a couple other young kids. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a booth set up at the WPC Worlds, and he had... I don't know if he'd paid, but he had the rights to videotape the meet and release uh, VHS Mm -hmm. tapes of this event. Um, According to RDC, uh, he said that Carl Smith was very well politically connected in Austria. Mm, Gotcha. And so he knew a lot of government officials. And and, and again, just to give some context, in other countries, in order to run a sport organization, it has to be recognized by the government. Right. And uh, I believe Austria is one of those countries. And so even though he was not, and there are some countries where they will only recognize the IPF affiliate. Yeah, France was that for a while. Which is part of the reason why the IPF has such a stranglehold on powerlifting in many parts of the world. Now, uh, apparently Carl Smith had leveraged his way to making the APC, the Australian Powerlifting Congress, a recognized sport organization in Austria. But Mm -hmm. he was well-connected. And new government officials and new police officers. And thus, you know, RDC said, hey, I didn't, you know, I couldn't really do too much. He said, I kind of had to stay quiet and just let things play out. Right. Even though he knew what was going on probably wasn't ideal. Sure. So, Carl Smith canceled Ernie Franz's hotel reservation at the Meat Hotel. Wow. Because of this, Ernie had to stay around 10 miles out of town. So, he still came. He didn't meet just said, fuck you, I'm coming. He did not bring his wife over because he felt his wife usually accompanied him. He said, you know what? Given everything going on, I'm going to leave Diane Franz at home. Right. And I'm just going to go myself. Right. Um, Herb Glossbender said he tried to be a go-between between Carl Smith and Ernie Franz. Right. Um, and he tried, Herb, Herb tried to get Carl Smith just to allow Ernie access to the venue and to, to try to talk out. What these matters, because if you really break it down, what was the major point of contention?
1: In this case, it's the the patches, right? It's and the, and that's it.
0: <laughs> it's basically that's the only real bone of contention, right? And, I mean, it's that, but it's also power. It's it's clearly power, and, right? And one of the things that Ricky Del Crane and I talked about was that in some countries, like Carl Smith was a lifter, but in a lot of IPF affiliate countries. A lot of these like individuals that run powerlifting organizations aren't even necessarily lifters. Like they're like, you know, they could be like a garbage collector in their like whatever country, but they get a little, you know, hint of power by being in Mm -hmm. charge of this powerlifting organization, which by the way is, you know, mandated to be the only powerlifting organization by the government. And so they've got some power and it's more about power than it is powerlifting. Right. Um, so Herb tried to be a go-between. Carl Smith basically refused to discuss any of these issues with Herb and got angry. Um, Then Herb talked to the supposed interim WPC president, Brian Smith. (laughs) Appointed by whom? Yeah, appointed by whom? (laughs) Brian Smith said he was angry about Ernie's mandates, Mm -hmm. but he said... After they eventually talked, he said, "You know, he didn't necessarily want to be interim president, right? But you know, he he agreed with Carl, but he did think that Carl Smith had treated Ernie wrongly." Sure. Um, Jan Vanderwigi, who is a guy who um, was from Wisconsin, still around at meets here and there. Um, he said he tried Jan tried to talk to Brian, but Brian basically wouldn't talk to him. Wow. And this, this is, is this is just sounding pettier and pettier here here's the picture that will be on our Instagram oh boy the, herb Glossbrenner took a lot of pictures and mm-hmm. the particular picture I've printed here is a literal picture of two armed security guards the fuck, man that Carl Smith personally hired to guard the entrance to the meat venue to keep Ernie Franz out of the meat mm-hmm. that's that is insane so Carl Smith hired armed security and at one point called the police oh, oh my God. to keep Ernie Franz out of the WPC
1: worlds did Ernie spit on him and then did they try to get the state chair involved is that why call the police
0: uh I don't think that don't. happened okay this time. Yeah. oh that, that was an
1: Illinois state meet, sorry, sorry.
0: Illinois sorry. State meet yes <laughs> Ernie apparently snuck into the venue, anyways. Of course he did, because. To help some of his
1: lifters. Oh, my God. Carl Smith then called the police. I I, I want to picture this where they go ask, like, are you Ernie France? No, I'm Bernie France. Oh, with that. Sorry, sir. Didn't mean to. Our our bad.
0: Now, again, you're in a foreign country, and Austria is not far from Germany. Yep. Let's remember that these are the type of countries that can maybe, let's say, lean toward authoritarianism.
1: And they can make you disappear. Let's call it what it is.
0: Right. So before the police came, Bruce Gregg, a WPC Canadian president, mm-hmm. who has since passed away, but ran many can up in Canada. He was a, a great asset to the WPC for many years. He apparently escorted Ernie out of the venue before the police arrived. That's crazy.
1: This, out, is, this is insane.
0: Outside of the venue, <laughs> Ernie friends held a meeting with all the U.S. lifters. Oh, my God. And this was, this was during the opening ceremonies, apparently when there was horses crapping on the floor in the meat venue, I'm guessing. Good God. And many lifters said they should boycott the meat and said they'll be the sacrificial lamb mm-hmm. and we should all just boycott. Ernie said, No, we should not do that. And he said, You guys are here, you've trained for it. You should lift in this meet. And let's get through this meet. I'll figure everything else later, is right. basically what he said. Because and uh, what was decided at that meeting was that Jan Vanderwiggy, uh from Wisconsin And Gary Baum, a local guy Mm -hmm. who was a wrestling coach and was a lifter with Ernie and was an official, he actually was at, uh, he coached a bunch of high school guys at the first APF Nationals I went to in Aurora in 2000. Yeah, in 2000 was my second meet. Oh, nice. Gary Baum was there and yelled at me after I missed my first two squats and said, you better not effing (laughs) Baum." Um. So he's since gotten out of the basically, sport. Basically, don't fuck it up. Yeah, he's, he's since gotten out of the sport, but he was a big uh guy at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were basically supposed to be Ernie's ears and and eyes. Right. Um. So let's let's go to the Congress meeting that which mm-hmm. was held on Wednesday, November fourth. Um.
1: This is after the meet's over.
0: Uh, that's not 100% clear. It, it might be when actually when the meet started. Okay, gotcha. So opening so
1: ceremonies, then Congress got it. Yeah. It, Something it, like that.
0: It, it's not it's not 100% clear on that because I don't have the dates in front of me. Mm-hmm. But the meeting was on Wednesday, November 4th. Herb Glossbrenner, who, again, was is, is the one writing this article of the Glossbrenner formula. He's like the powerlifting statistician. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the press at the meet. Um, Herb was invited by the interim president, Brian Smith, mm-hmm. um, and that apparently was not... Favored by Carl Smith.
1: Dude, Carl's a piece of shit, man. <laughs> like, everything I'm hearing is just, he's just got this fucking Napoleon complex. And he was apparently a big guy, though. But uh, in attendance at it this meet, he ain't that big.
0: Uh, in attendance at this meeting was Carl Smith from Austria, mm-hmm. Brian Smith from the UK, quote, interim president, Herb Glossbreader from Powerlift USA, mm-hmm. Gary Baum, a local Chicago guy, Jan Vanderwiggy, Wisconsin guy. Mm-hmm. Ian Morris and Neville Primich um, from South Africa. Yuri Stearns and the article says wife from Australia. I'm going to guess this is uh, Andrea Stearns, who is Mm -hmm. still involved in WPC in uh, Australia. She was at the 2018 WPC Worlds and was judging.
1: By the way, Australia, could you guys put in some bids for some world meets? That would be really cool.
0: They were supposed to run the Worlds a number of years ago. Something happened and it got moved. Um, I think it would be great to, to have a, a WPC Worlds back in Australia. They've got a pretty good presence there. I, I would love to do it. It multiplies um, going like crazy down there. Yeah. Joseph Mattens from Belgium. Hazvitz uh, Inam But from Pakistan. You did what to your butt? <laughs> Bruce Gregg from Canada. Aladdin Alive from Azerbaijan. Brian Batch. That's Azerbaijan, by the yeah. way. Brian Bachelor from Great Britain. Gosh, there's a story we could tell about Brian Bachelor another day. Ooh. Um, reps from Finland and Germany who were unnamed, and Herb just said he just didn't know who they were. Okay, Um, He said, you know, sorry, I just, you know, I tried to write down everybody I could. Um, Ernie Franz was prohibited from attending the meeting. So the meeting started, was opened by Brian Smith, the interim president, who Mm -hmm. seemingly ran the meeting and opened the meeting by saying he was coming at this from a neutral position. Right. Um, The first person to talk, however, was, Carl Smith, meet director of 1998 WPC Worlds. and Supreme he, Leader Smith. And he read his proclamation, which we ran over earlier. Oh, um, his seven-point proclamation. You know, not recognizing Ernie Franz as the president. Um, talking that uh, they're going to terminate Ernie as the WPC president. Um, saying that elections will happen soon. patches not allowed. All that stuff. Um, after, you know, he said basically... He read his proclamation and said all member nations should have received his facts. Um, Stearns from Australia immediately spoke up and said he received no such notification. Okay. Ian Morris from South Africa, who is a big... uh, Let's go back. Let's give some context. South Africa was banned. From, like, everything. Like, because of apartheid, which, you know, is terrible. I don't agree with apartheid. I don't think anybody does. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that everybody in the country was... in. Involved in that decision. Right. And so South Africa was banned from powerlifting, basically. And Ernie Franz said, I'm going to depoliticize the sport. I'm going to allow South Africa to have a powerlifting organization associated with the WPC. And right. that's how the WPC kind of started. And so I would say South Africa always is going to have a debt of gratitude to the WPC. And another crazy story is in the 2000s when the South African government came in and was going to drug test everybody in the meat. The entire U.S. team ran out. And the U.S. team ran out the back door. (laughs) And I don't think it was back. I think then WPC was banned from South Africa. This is another story I would love to dive into. Get Um, Mr. Moser on
1: here for that. Yeah. Because he was there.
0: Yeah. And it was banned until I want to say around that 2017, 2018 time. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, Ian Morris, then, it sounds like he spoke up quite a bit, and he questioned the legality of these proceedings. Oh, so maybe saying, who the hell are you? Uh, Carl Smith said he didn't recognize any official from South Africa because there was no official election in South Africa.
1: So, okay, H- hold on. So Carl Smith basically says, I don't recognize you, therefore, like, he, he literally is just the, the schoolyard bully going, ah, you don't count. You don't count. You don't by, count. By the
0: way... Carl Smith started the Australian Powerlifting Congress Austrian. Austrian correct sorry Austrian powerlifting Congress the APC was he ever voted in or did he just start the organization that was you
1: recognized himself <laughs> exactly and you know what I look myself in the mirror I recognize myself I am the president
0: uh, Stearns <laughs> asked oh uh, I'm assuming you're uh, Andrew is uh, and Andrew would be another great person now. she's obviously been along uh, yeah. around for a long time and uh, is a great official with the WPC, very strict but fair. But Yuris said, you know, why isn't Ernie Franz being allowed in this meeting yeah. to speak for himself? S- Carl Smith said Ernie Franz was, was not recognized, and because he was not recognized, there was no reason for him to be present.
1: Well, I, rec- I think, again, if I'm feeling snarky, my response is, well, I recognized him. I saw him outside. <laughs> Brian Bachelor, who would have his own political issues in the later 2000s,
0: Oh, my word. Um, said this: these proceedings were basically a one-man political crusade to seize power. Oh, look at that. It's like just like I'm calling it. And you know what? I kind of agree with Brian Bachelor. I 100% agree. Um, this is where it gets really interesting. Right. Ian Morris then speaks up again and said that Carl Smith was circulating a letter basically like... Ripping on Bruce Gregg, WPC mm-hmm. Canadian president, right. saying that he was not of sound mind and shouldn't be capable of running the 1999 WPC World.
1: Dude, Carl, what in the fuck, man?
0: No, just just again, to give some context. <laughs> still so much more. <laughs> just to give some context. Usually Worlds would be voted on two years in advance. Right. So I'm sure at the 1997 worlds, Right. they vote in the 1999 worlds. So it was already known at the 1998 worlds mm-hmm. where the 1999 WPC worlds were going to be held. It was okay. already known that WPC worlds in 1999 were going to be held in Canada, run by Bruce Gregg, a very capable meat director. And of sound mind. And of sound mind, and a supporter of Ernie Franz, which is oh, very important.
1: Oh, so did they not recognize his mind soundness?
0: <laughs> right. Apparently, Bruce Gregg, and I, they didn't really go into this, um, but Herb Glossbrenner did say that Bruce Gregg had some previous issues with drugs and alcohol, but mm-hmm. had been sober since 1988, so like literally 10 years Jeez. prior to this. That's um, and th- But he'd had some issues, and he didn't go into what it was. I don't know if it was a DUI. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he spent some time in jail or prison. It doesn't really matter. Um, by all accounts, Bruce Gregg was a very, very competent meat director. Um, and an excellent, you know, promoter of powerlifting. Um, around this time, Jan Vanderwijk and Gary Baum, who again, Ernie said, "I want you to be my eyes and ears." Basically, they spoke up, and you know, tried to say that you know everything that's been said here is a lie, and that Ernie Franz should be the recognized right. president of the WPC. Everyone in the room was getting very angry at this point. I'm assuming that it was like a straight-up shouting match at this point. Yeah,
1: and it's all Carl going, I I should be in
0: charge. And he goes, why? And I'm assuming that polymetric procedure was probably basically thrown out the window at this point. Right. If it was ever being adhered to, I don't know. Um, And Carl Smith just quickly closed the meeting and said it was over. And he and his wife and Brian Smith exited wherever they were. Exit stage left. Yeah, they just exited. Um Purportedly, Herb Glossbrenner, uh, and this this would certainly prove to later be true, not immediately, but but the report from Herb Glossbrenner was that Carl Smith wanted to oust the APF from the WPC and replace them with the USPF, Dumb. who would had recently, as we covered in a previous episode, <laughs> been ousted as the affiliate of the IPF. Now, what was that? Did, what, what year did we say that was? Nineteen
1: ninety
0: six. Nineteen ninety six. I can't remember. Let's we'll go back
1: and listen to the episode. It, it, All these years mashed together. Like the nineties, dude. The nineties were fucking wild. Yeah, politically for, crazy for, for powerlifting. The nineties were nuts, man.
0: Um, and there was also a report that Carl Smith was going to recreate the WPC as the World Powerlifting Council. Dun dun dun. Also with the initials
1: WPC. WPC. Well, then all all of his, you know, T-shirts match, so.
0: Um, And was going to have his own WPC Worlds the next year. Wow. Um, Apparently, upon returning, this is another crazy part of this story. Upon returning to Canada, Bruce Gregg and his wife were literally strip searched in the airport. What the fuck? There was an anonymous tip that they would be bringing anabolic steroids back into the country. And Canada is very serious about their drug policies. Yeah, yeah. And so Bruce Gregg said he and his wife were held at, held at the airport for over two hours and were literally strip searched in the airport. That's, that's and crazy. And Herb Glossbender. This is before they did that kind of shit. Like they, yeah. yeah. And Herb Glossbender said, you can guess where that anonymous tip came from. He doesn't come out and say it, but he certainly alludes to that it was from Carl Smith. Dude. Is Carl Smith still alive? Does anybody know? He is still alive. He is out of powerlifting. Wow. Um, he got out of the sport. So what's the aftermath of this? Now, yeah. I, I, I mean, what's what's clear and obvious uh, since Ernie Franz was associated with the WPC until he sold it to Kieran Ketter and was mm-hmm. still associated with the organization until his death, right. uh, this coup, this takeover... Attempt. ...clearly did not work. No. Um, the aftermath is that Carl Smith... And his cohorts would go on to form the WPF, the World Powerlifting Federation. Sure, sure, sure.
1: Your brother has wronged you, therefore, start your own. <laughs> exactly.
0: Federation. A Wayback Machine search of WPFpowerlifting.com shows that the website started in 2004. Mm-hmm. The history of the organization on the website said it was formed in 1999, and they did have a world's in uh in las vegas in in 1999 nice but it was shortly dissolved shortly thereafter it sounds like he reformed it then in that 2003 2004 time frame Mm -hmm. and then it was affiliated to the european powerlifting congress that obviously carl smith also had control over oh my god It, it does match up that maybe his idea at that time was to affiliate himself or affiliate his new organization with the uspf because Mm. in 2007 i mean almost 10 years later the uspf did become the u.s affiliate of Mm. the wpf gotcha um and i actually remember around this time frame that the wpf had their worlds in mexico in 2004 mexico and and there was some some uh there was some traction with powerlifting in Mexico with the WPF. Mm-hmm. I haven't really ever heard of too much going on with Mexico and powerlifting.
1: I, we, we had a message on the Instagram page once from we, somebody in Mexico asking about Multiply.
0: We did, and I had a guy that was asking me for advice, and I was like, I, I can help you, but it's it's going to be hard because, you know, he said nobody else down there was doing anything like that. And, yeah. and I, I kind of gave him some general advice. Um but in general, I just, you know, it's it's going to be hard to do, um, you know, just watching somebody's videos. Yeah, for sure. Who, who has no experience at all in Multiply. but and, and
1: no crew with them either.
0: Right. So I don't know that powerlifting in Mexico has ever been big. Maybe they're big with the IPF. I, I don't know. But the WPF did have some traction down there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looked like Steve Dennison ran the 2009 WPF Worlds in Las Vegas.
1: And then, what well, the next year he started the USPA, right?
0: I think it was around that time frame. Yeah. It was 2010, 2011. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it was 2010, because they had their 10-year anniversary last year.
0: Oh, okay. Now, maybe there was something that happened to that 2009 WPF World that partly helped lead to him leaving. Now, it's hard to say what happens, because at some point, Carl Smith gets out of the WPF. Right. And gets out of powerlifting totally. Somewhere around 2016, the WPF website goes down. Okay. Um, supposedly at that time, around the time the website went down, there was going to be the 2017 WPF Worlds were supposed to be in Chicago. I have to be honest, I, and I, I, I try to keep my finger on the pulse yeah. of what goes on in powerlifting Chicago. I'm not going to say I know about every meet that goes on. I don't remember that. Do you?
1: No. And I, do and, remember, and I was still very new in the sport at that point. Like I, I really didn't know. I, what I do remember
0: that Lance Carable, at one point, local guy who owns Lance's gym, mm-hmm. um, was the USPF president. Okay. At one point and ran USPF meets out of his gym. But I don't believe he's done any in recent years. And I don't remember there being a WPF world. If there was, it wasn't a very big event. Right. Um, it still seems that the WPF still exists in Russia. Um, okay. And there's a website sort of for the WPF. It seems like maybe the BPO, the British Powerlifting Organization, maybe any British lifters that know about the BPO, are they still active? Maybe. Because they were affiliated with the WPF. It was hard to find anything in English after 2016, and I don't speak Russian. Mm-hmm. Now, also bear in mind. You can mind, type that in your Google machine. Also bear in mind, in Russia, like there'll be a meet, and it'll like they'll like affiliate. They'll have like a day for each like member organization. Right. Like, they'll have like a WPC day, and then like the next day
1: it'll be an APA WPA meet. It's it's like a full like strength festival that they have.
0: Right, and like the next day will be like arm wrestling, and then they'll have like like. The professional
1: like, slapping organization. What right. The hell and they'll is? have like,
0: you know, soft bench press and they'll have bench press for reps. Like there'll just be all kinds of events
1: in Russia at some of these, uh, these, like you said, strength festivals. The, and that's the one thing, like just a quick segue. I would love to go to Russia one because of the stories Henry Thomason told us, but also, like I would just love to go just to just because strength culture there is just so much deeper than it is here, and, mm-hmm. and I just I would love to go and just experience that in person one day. Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, the last time they ran Worlds, it was a epic failure, absolute shit show. It appears that the Austrian Powerlifting Congress is still kind of active, mm-hmm. and the European Powerlifting Congress, which is not associated with the W the the now WPC. Mm-hmm appears to be active. I don't know if anybody has their finger on the pulse of what's going on in Europe and can let me know. Is the WPF still a thing? It seems like the major international organizations are the WPC, the IPF, the GPC, who uh, we'll talk about in a second, and then now there's the World Raw Powerlifting Federation, which seems to have some traction, although there's also the World Equipped Powerlifting Federation out of the world, raw, powerless federation. Yes, yes. Like, why not just make it the world? Po- I guess the world, War- powerless federation. War- Warp and whiff. Yeah, the world, powerless federation name was already taken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Uh, so, what are the takeaways from this? I mean, what can't
1: you take away from this? Holy fuck, man!
0: <laughs> uh, you know, one of the one of the issues with a large bureaucratic organization like the IPF is that it yields itself towards. Uh, I would say. Uh, The bureaucracy lends itself towards individuals accumulating power and exerting that power through that, quote, democratic process. And you can't get anything done, just like you can't get anything done in Congress, Mm -hmm. because you'll just get caught in committees. And we'll we'll put it up for a vote about a vote. And I, I think that's what happens with... The IPF and its large bureaucracy, it moves slowly and a couple of individuals
1: really are pulling the strings. And it's more it feels like it's more about the business of sport versus the participation activity. Of and sport. again,
0: the power, I yes. think that's as much yes. part of
1: it, because, again, you
0: could be a garbage collector in some small little country in Asia. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, you're the head of the, the IPF powerlifting affiliate. And now you've got a little bit of power in your hands. Right, right. Um, and there are other countries where, like South Africa, where they they just said there can be no more WPC affiliate; it has to be IPF. Right. We, we've we've talked about what happened in France, where they act they couldn't even like they, couldn't I, even hold their meats. They couldn't hold their meets because the, the government was going to come in and shut them down. Right. Um, you know, in many countries like Austria, the government grants you the authority to be a sport organization. Right. And because of that bureaucracy, and. An organization that has one point of contact, like Ernie Franz had with the WPC, can lend itself to an easiness of changing rules. You just have to talk to one guy, basically, right. and, and, hey, we'll vote on it. You know, we've got a group of people that we think are wise. But at the end of the day, at Ernie this time, er, you know, Ernie could probably have veto power if he really thought it was something bad. Right. I don't know that he ever did that, um, but he could have. Right. And... Ernie Franz owning the WPC as a corporation would continue to cause issues into the 2000s. It could potentially be a conflict of interest. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's funny because I didn't even – I'd never heard of the World Powerlifting Council. Mm-hmm. I, I'd heard about this whole incident. But we've talked about it before in some of our plus throwbacks with L.B. Baker, um, as Mr. Bain likes to call him, Little Bitch Baker. Damn right. Jim Roush. um, at one point, claiming they had control of the APF and WPC. <laughs> I mean, at one point, LB Baker started a website, American Powerlifting mm-hmm. separate from the, the website that we had, World Powerlifting Congress.com. Right. Um, and they claimed they had control over the organization. Then they started their own organization called the World Powerlifting Committee, not to be confused with the World Powerlifting
1: Congress, WPC. Or the World Progress Council. Yeah, well, which it was long gone by that yes, point. Yes, And But again, you have all the T-shirts. You got to make sure it all matches.
0: And when and, and a lot of this went down is when Ernie sold the WPC to Kieran Kidder. Mm-hmm. And some of the member countries felt, how can you sell the WPC? I thought this was a co-op organization, which it essentially effectively was, right. but technically was owned right. by Ernie Franz. Right. And it's not like Kieran Kidder has exerted grave, you know, Authority. He just wanted to uh, you can go back and listen to our interview with Kieran. Right. He wanted to own the WPC so he could align it with the, the WPO. Right. But because of that, some of the some of the countries, they did leave and they formed the World Powerlifting Committee. Kieran took them to court mm-hmm. and they, quote unquote, voluntarily changed their name to the Global Powerlifting Committee, which still exists to this this day. Although L.B. Baker left
1: that organization as well. Because once somebody makes you mad, you just go start your own other fucking federation. Uh, Yes, exactly. Um, So uh, out of all this, though, this is because I've heard this legend. This is what it is. A legend about Ernie and this meet in particular. Talk about this for a second, Eric. Uh, What I've heard ever since I was
0: literally a teenager was that at this meet in Austria, I remember Ernie, Maris, many others talking about that there was an assassination attempt on Ernie Franz in Austria.
1: And I so I heard about this because I remember hearing about strength sports in general when I was younger. And mm-hmm. so I would, you know, again, about your age, about a teenager, and that powerlifting was so extreme that if you ran an organization and people didn't like you, they would try to kill you. So I heard about this inadvertently and did not know it was associated with Ernie.
0: I asked Ricky Del Crane about this, and he kind of laughed. <laughs> And he's like, I didn't hear that. I said, I, He said, I can't deny it. But he said, I certainly can't confirm. Uh, confirm. <laughs> I heard it from Ernie. I heard it from Maris. Now, uh, did somebody try to assassinate Ernie Franz in Austria? I don't know. Ernie Franz. Were there armed guards waiting for him? There were. I, I gotta, We I, have pictures. <laughs> I got a fucking picture of it. There was literally armed guards there. Now, did Ernie exaggerate? Did he stretch the truth a little bit? I don't know. But at the same token, It sounds like Carl Smith was fucking crazy. He was hell bent on this shit. He wanted to control the WPC. Here is what he didn't realize: he thought that other or other countries and other people would fall in lockstep, like things would happen in Austria. He took an Austrian type of political approach Mm -hmm. to a cooperative WPC. And what he didn't realize is that people weren't loyal to the letters WPC. No. They were loyal to Ernie Franz. Exactly. And at the end of the day, if Ernie said, no, we're not doing that, they were going to say, we're going to go to the worlds in Canada with Bruce Gregg that right. Ernie says is the actual WPC worlds. Because, at, so again, we've seen it throughout history in the U.S. in powerlifting. Somebody gets mad, they just go form their organization. Right. The barriers to entry are not that high. No. Um, the people at WPC followed Ernie Franz because of the relationships he's built through 15 years right.
1: of running the organization. Being a good person, serving people. And, I mean, look, at even in this situation where Ernie could have easily pulled that entire meet apart. He said, no, you guys train for this. Go lift. Right. He said, you know what's important is you go and lift. Right. <laughs> I think that speaks volumes, one, to his character, but also to, like, truly what he was focused on versus – Carl screaming at people and then exiting the stage left when he didn't get his right bike. ending the meeting. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it was a very long meeting. Just, gonna just take my barbell and go home.
0: <laughs> having fucking horses in the opening <laughs> ceremonies and strippers. and
1: strippers during intermission. I, I I am in favor of the latter. I, I will say that. Uh, so. I don't know, uh, but
0: <laughs> is it possible? Now I did. Ricky Del Crane did emphasize to me that Carl Smith was a well politically connected person. Is it possible? That Carl Smith had a hit out on Ernie Franz. He canceled his hotel I mean, reservations. It's possible man. Fuck. He banned him from other hotel near hotels. He had the police called him. He had armed guards preventing him from entering the venue. That's, that's is just it possible he put out a hit on Ernie Franz? I mean, given again, it was it didn't how, succeed. It didn't. That we know for sure. It.
1: Given the other things that seemed just so extreme and how just it, f- singularly focused he was on taking control of the WPC. I don't think it is out of the realm of possibility. And, again, we have a picture of two armed guards waiting for Ernie. I don't think it's, as I say to my son sometimes, I don't know that it is possible.
0: It's not probable, but it it is possible. I don't know that it's probable, but it is possible. Um, This is definitely the time, because I've heard about this story for years. Yeah, This is definitely the incident. This is the time that Ernie talked about and that I heard Maris talk about. Um, the 1998 WPC Worlds Unreal. sounds like a fucking crazy-ass meet. Unreal. Anything else to add, Mr. Bain? Dude, the 90s were fucking litty. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. The USPF is getting kicked out of the IPF. Robert Keller's getting kicked out of meetings. Ernie Franz is banned from the venue. Ernie and... Franz is going
1: to get killed in public and shit. Like, it's just, it's just wild. Uh, it was crazy in the 90s, no <laughs> doubt.
0: <laughs> um, what do we got coming up? We Mr. Bain has been working hard
1: on some interviews, some oh, very we good got some interviews. Good interviews coming, baby. Um, should I, should I say who it's going to be?
0: No, let's let's keep it a surprise. Okay, well, we'll keep it a surprise. We'll a surprise. We got one. Uh, we've got one on the books, and yes. sometimes we've got people we've talked to that are willing, but you know, with their schedule, my schedule,
1: Bane's schedule, it's not always easy. But right. we got one on the books. We've got a couple other in the in the can. Yep. Uh, it's it, there. I'm going to tell you right now; these they're going to run the spectrum as far as like powerlifting experience and uh, and history and knowledge. People are going to be real excited about. I, I think all of these, honestly.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I after talking uh, the other week with uh, Mr. Peter Royo, I do mm-hmm. think that. An episode on coefficients would be. Actually, it would be good. I think would be good. And the, I think. The Rolling may- Stone coefficient? I think maybe. Uh, I like that, Rolling Stone coefficient. I think maybe bringing on a smart, mathy person like Jackie mm-hmm. to talk about the math behind it to stupid people like us that aren't math yeah. people. I'm not a math person. No. no. Um, I'm okay at math, but I'm definitely not like Jackie. Um, maybe talk about, you know, again, another episode we could we'll maybe toss around is one on. The Beginner's Meet and the concept we've developed there. Yeah. Um, Going back to one we talked about way a long time ago, because we did uh, The Gift of Injury, but Mm -hmm. we also said we were going to do a 1020 Life Review. That's one that uh, maybe during my trek to Florida, which is coming up, Mm -hmm. um, I can uh, reread that book and then hand it off to you to read. I actually have it right now. You gave it to me once. Oh, did I give it to you once? Yes,
1: so I can take a look through it and then I can give it back.
0: Okay, perfect. So uh, that's one that I think we've got on the docket, and then maybe a follow-up interview with... Yeah, Mister Pi,
1: Mister uh, thirteen
0: hundred. Oh, there we go. That that would be exciting. Uh huh. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and leave us feedback on our Instagram
1: account. Yes, it's important too to get both on the Instagram account and on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews we get, both the reviews and the actual like written ones. Now, this is the five stars. We appreciate that. And hell, if you give it a one star, if you think that the podcast sucks, tell us. Uh, yeah, I def- prefer you don't leave a review then. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, they, but regardless, like the the written reviews also are a huge help. That's what pushes the algorithm, and yeah. and that's what allows us to reach a bigger audience, and you know really kind of bring the message uh, of the history of powerlifting and You know, one of the big things I think that is important to Eric and I, and that is promoting the Franz legacy, because as you hear in this interview, where in theory Ernie's life is in danger. <laughs> you know, he is still promoting the lifters and, and enjoying the experience that is the platform. And so I think that's important for people yeah. to continue to hear about.
0: Yeah, and I would say, uh, if you don't... I mean, and hey, you don't have to listen to every episode we put out. But yes, you I, w- I would say yeah. that go back if you didn't listen, because we didn't get as many listens. We got good feedback on those that mm-hmm. did listen. Yeah. Um, if you didn't listen to the Peter Royo interview, because you don't know who Peter Royo is, go back and listen to that interview. Um, it's, I, I think one of our better interviews when it comes to like training knowledge, because Pete is a very smart guy. I honest. Mean, I think it helped that he was here. Yeah, I think so too. It was yeah. great. Yeah. I think that would be someone to have back on. And there's a couple concepts training wise that he touched on, but he didn't go in depth. One of them is the 10 day cycle. Yes. Which is something that he did. Dick Zenzen did. And it's a really innovative concept. Um, I, I won't go too much into it because I'll let him explain it. Um, and then he talked a little bit about how he handles conjugate group training. I would like to delve more into that topic. Yeah. But if you if you missed the Peter Royal interview because maybe you didn't recognize his name, and if you just look at the title, you're like, ah, I'll skip the interview. I would go back and have a listen to that one.
1: I I would highly recommend listen to that.
0: Um, check out our merch store. We I saw Mr. John Juan Campione yep. wearing a I got this shirt at the or I got this yeah I got this shirt at the Lombard <laughs> meet.
1: Um, earlier today. We saw, saw at the Heartbreak Kid, Sean Copland, wearing the Strength and Anger t-shirt. I did. This weekend. And we reposted that on the Strength and Anger Instagram. Yeah, much appreciated, sir. Yeah. Anything else
0: to add, Mr. Bain? That's it, man. With that, this is Eric Stone, signing out. Strength and Anger.